What's up, you freak bitches? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the next gen podcast. Welcome to the future. <laughs> we got Victor, Mason, and I. Who's, who are you? Um, who are you? <laughs> this is KB. KB. And welcome to our podcast. Yes, where we talk about technology, sacrifices, self-development, androids, anything in the Psychedelics. future technology. Anything. Drugs. Drugs. Steroids. Weed. <laughs> Ever in your adult, adult life, life looked in the mirror and thought, oh, no, no. I thought I'd be further along in my career by now? If you have, then you're not alone. My next guest is Salvia Barros, creator of The Five Secrets to Becoming a High Performer Boot Camp and the host of the Dream Big and Live Free podcast. Salvia went from star in her life as a 15-year-old girl with no life prospects to attaining multiple degrees at some of the most well-known educational institutions in the world. She held multiple executive roles with global responsibilities and led initiatives that have been featured at the White House level. Now, she helps turn people into high performers and help them develop the skills to get recognized by senior leadership, become confident and be seen as the expert and authority in their role, and to be finally get the career they have always dreamed about. Welcome to the show, Savia. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So great to be here. Yeah. Anyway, it's, a, it's a big, big day because for our fans and for anybody out there who's eventually going to listen to this and to get the knowledge from, from you, it's this is the idea is to learn and to get the, the tools and tips and tricks that you learn to get to the White House level to to, to do all these great things. And I want to help everybody understand like the, the, the secret, the, not really secrets, but like the little things that people kind of like miss to get to greatness, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. So I want to get started with like how... Where did this mentality come from? Like, were you always like going after it, or were you, when you were younger? Like, what were you? What was your childhood like? Yeah. So, um, what I can say is that it's a mentality that I really developed myself. Um, you know, to, to just give a little bit the answer to your question. So, I actually grew up in a pretty abusive family, um, and that's why I kind of started out on my own um, at a pretty young age and I faced a lot of criticism growing up, especially from my mother. Um, You know, I was never, um, you know, always being compared to someone else in my family that was somehow better than me or it was always like, oh, you know, um, you're you're too thin or when you get older, don't get fat. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. like I could never escape criticism. And I think what happened is that I just got, ended up getting really angry and obviously sick and tired of it and just decided that, you know, whatever you say that I can't do, I'm just going to 10X it. Whatever you think is the best, I'm just going to 10X it. And so it was really about kind of finding my fire inside. And it, it was definitely... Um, driven out of fear and insecurity. So I know that we see a lot of things on social media saying, you know, and and people are trying to, you know, pretend like they're somehow, you know, figured it out and and got it all figured out. But still, the most successful people, what drove them is their fears and their insecurities. And so what I believe is that the things that make you feel bad Find a way to flip the script and actually draw some power out of that and use it to power you. Um, that's a long answer. 
Yeah, this is a great answer. And I actually want to dive into what you were saying about insecurities that drove you. Because I, I've kind of related to that too. Where it's a lot of the things that I do now is because I was afraid or didn't like what it was before. So when, because insecurities are hard and being fear. How did you go from like, I'm scared and I don't want to do this to like, I'm tired of it. And I'm going to 10x it. I'm going to, I'm going to show them wrong. Or did you always have that mentality to show them wrong? Well, I think how I got that way is that. I took a look at my life in a very honest and objective way, even at, even at that age. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, the situation that I'm in like super sucks. And for me, there was only upside. Like to stay where I was, was more painful for me because I could conceptualize and I could visualize a better life. And what I'll say is that every version of you you will always visualize a better life. As human beings, we're never done, right? So the minute you get the thing that you want, you're bored because there's another level. And so it was just about um, wanting something better for myself. And I was sick and tired of getting criticized. I was really just over it. And so every time I achieved a, a, a goal and everything starts with really small steps. You know, a lot of people think that when you become an executive or even CEOs, it's like they got there because they consistently made progress in inches over a consistent period of time. Nobody went from like being an intern to being a CEO overnight, right? It takes time. But what I'll say is that the key is that even though you're insecure, it's to do the things anyway, right? Do it even when you feel scared. Do it even when you feel like you're not good enough. That's the time to do it. Because if you sit there and you say, you know what, when I feel better about myself, I'm going to do this. You know what, when I make more money, you know what, when I move out of this neighborhood, I'm gonna do this. The truth is that that day will never come because the way that life is designed is that it's just wrought with, you know, snake pits and caverns you have to jump over. There's just You're like, Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm a total movie buff. I love Indiana Jones, love Laura Croft, you know, yeah, huge, yes. huge, like old school mafia movie buff right here. But it's really about... Um, you know, to, to use the video game analogy, um, life is like a video game, right? In order to get to the end goal, I actually was just like looking at YouTube videos of Mario Brothers the other day. And, really? no yeah, way. I was. I was. It was. It took me down memory lane a little bit. And, you know, it's like when he gets to the end and he gets to jump on the little flag or, you know, he gets to the castle. It's like, look at all of those crazy things he had to go through, like man-eating plants, you know, goombas, all these, you know, fire pits. This is life. And so you just have to be prepared and know that as long as you stay focused on where you want to go, don't worry about all of the other stuff that you will have to go through. Like, just expect that you will feel pain. You will fail. It's it's a part of life. So don't run from that stuff. Instead, run towards it. Because what that means is that on the other side of like failure is the success. So everyone talks about failure. It's like fail fast, which is like the most annoying thing I've ever heard of. It's so failure. stupid. It's, it's so dumb. <laughs> fail fast. 
I've like, never heard anybody go against it. What was your? Why do you not like it? Because it's like leading to do dumb mistakes. No, no, no. Because it's superficial, right? Yeah. It's like it's it's kind of superficial. It's like hurry up and fail. Well, it's like how how do I do that? How do I expedite my failing? It's like mm-hmm. you know, should I just drive my car into a wall? Like it's it's not possible. I think that the real gift is go through the failure because on the other side of failure. Right, it's like a rainbow. Failure on one side, on the other side is the pot of gold, which is your success. Mm-hmm. But if you rush failure, if you rush through it, you don't process it, you don't feel the pain, and and you don't take the learnings, you're never gonna level up. Yeah, like a video game, you'll never get to the next level. You never upgrade your strength, your health, your magic, all that good stuff. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm actually curious. Did you play like a lot of games when you were younger? Or were you like I a- did. I did. I did play a lot of games when I was younger, and I'm dating myself a little bit, but I mean, yeah, Mario Brothers, Battletoads, and Tetris, and Duck Hunt. Like, that was oh, my God. thing. What? Yeah, I know. That's, that's, so, that's so retro. Um, yeah, I like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm good at, like, any type of target practice. So I lived in New York City for a long time, and um, I used to actually go do archery at a place in Brooklyn. So for whatever reason, like, any type of you know, focus and aim, hand-eye coordination stuff kind of relaxes me. So it's a random wow. fact. So <laughs> wrong with that? That's cool. I can't argue. Maybe one day, though. They never say you can't, right? <laughs> so you, you personally struggle with it. Yeah. But I'm curious. I've always had this, like, hypothesis. But do you think the gamers, not every gamer, but most gamers have this kind of, like, resilience they built? Especially if you've, like, lost a lot of times in the game where you just, like... You, you kind of keep going after, you know, like you said, other, other side of the obstacle, like the boss battles. You've you've lost 20 times, but you're like, I'll get it the next time. And I, I've been with other people who aren't as gamers, and they, they'll they give up easily. And I'm like, come on, bro, just the next, let's go again. And they're like, it's not going to work out. I'm like, but one more try. Come on, one more. Do you think the games help people build this sense of, like, not giving up or persistence? Or is it just depends who you are? Yeah, I think it does depend on who you are. But here's an interesting thing. You probably know this already. So, like, your brain actually doesn't know the difference between, like, something that you're actually doing in real life versus, like, what's made up. It's kind of like why VR is so powerful and it really transports you to another place. It's because your brain, as amazing and brilliant as it is, doesn't know the difference between reality and a video game if you put yourself inside of it. So it's not surprising to me that there are some gamers that have resilience and will keep trying. But I also think that that is a function of who you are um, either naturally or who you've taught yourself to be. Because, I mean, I believe you can teach yourself anything if you get, you know, irritated enough with the, the person that you are. Exactly. Okay. Get angry. Do you have to make a change? Yeah. So now when you're learning stuff, do you have a type of way that you learn that you developed over time? Because, you know, you also have to learn how to learn. Is there any way that any tips you have to like really grasp something and make it stick in your head? Yeah, absolutely. So I am definitely a a hands-on learner, but I also like to learn when people talk to me. I don't like books, even though I've read hundreds of books Um, I actually don't like them. It's just like the act of like sitting there and reading. I find it incredibly boring. So I like when either someone instructs to me because then I can actually like raise my hand, ask questions. It's more interactive. Um, And then I also like being able, my number one way though is 
being able to do the thing that they're teaching me. So ever since I was a kid, I've always been like a builder and a tinkerer. I actually, you know, thought I was going to be an engineer when I was growing up. No way, really? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I used to, um, you know, I would like look at toys on TV and my mom, I would be like, mom, you know, I, I'd like, can I get this toy? And if she'd buy it for me and I'd get it, I'm like, why does this stuff look so crappy? It looks nothing like what was on TV. Like I just kept feeling like I got scammed. So I would actually like repaint it, pull it apart. You know, I grew up in a family with a lot of boys, so, you know, we'd have soldering irons. I would just do, like, crazy stuff to my toys, so that's what I thought I was going to do. Anyway, that's a side, that's a side note of, of, of me saying I prefer to do hands-on, and here is why. There is nothing like actually using your hands and your mind to do something yourself. It's kind of like driving, right? It's like you can um, do simulated, or it's kind of like driving in a video game. Right. You can drive really well in a video game, but when you get put in a car, there is a whole lot of other senses that you have to engage consciously or unconsciously that you never, ever get to do in simulation. So for me, if someone says this is how you do it, I'm like, OK, fine, let me do it. And I immediately want to do it. But I am completely comfortable looking stupid the first time because I know that I won't get it the first time and I expect not to get it the first time, but I know that if I don't try right away, it's gonna take me longer. So I just like to do that. And also it's, I learn things that are not in the book. Like, have you ever read a textbook or done a, a homework problem set and you're doing it and you can't solve a problem and then when you go to like, you know, the TA and you're like, why can't I solve it? And and he shows you like three things that the professor never told you. It's mm -hmm. like, um, hello, like that would have been helpful. You would have saved seven hours of my life. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, th this is what you, this is the benefit of doing things with your hands immediately because immediately you're like, oh, this wasn't in the instruction manual. That wasn't in the instruction manual. So I'm just a big advocate of that. And that's how I learn. Mm -hmm. oh, that's a beautiful way to learn because same way with me like i like to learn mechanically like from my hands it just i feel like and also visually if you see it while you're doing it i feel like you can remember more than just reading it or hearing it i don't it's just something about reading and, and listening to something where it's just like i kind of remember it but it's that thing where it's like you kind of know it but you don't master you don't fully functionally know how it works yeah that's well, just something you gotta like figure well, it out I for yourself it's just like i think it's you know you're sitting there and and it gets kind of boring like it, it you yeah. just do it just you're not engaging different parts of your brain and so it's just it's really boring it's kind of like watching you know you know late late night tv before uh, cable or you know before netflix or something and you just like surf mindlessly and it's like yeah you watch like five hours of tv it's 7 a.m in the morning but what did you retain you know some guys yeah. like inflatable pink flamingos like that's it that's that's what it's like what is that from is that, is that from a movie is that a palm it's springs probably something. i don't know if it's like clothing in las vegas or something i don't know it, there's some weird reference in there that i thought of so my brain has like tourettes for movie clips so it's like every conversation i go through when people start talking it's like movie clip movie clip movie clip but 
Anyway. <laughs> I'm guessing you watched the movie like yesterday or the day before. Is no. Like... <laughs> oh, okay. No, I actually have like um, crazy memory for, for movies. Like I can't remember uh, the name of the movie, but I can totally, like if you said something that triggered me, I'd be like, oh yeah, fear and loathing. This guy said that. Um, I don't know. It, that's just the way it works for me. Okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Yeah. Just remember, to, we're going to need you for trivia if we ever have a trivia for movies. <laughs> it'll be perfect. But come on, think, remember. <laughs> now, I have this, I've seen this with one of my friends, actually one of the co-hosts who's not here, and, and a lot of other people who are talented, like really talented. What would you say to people who are like really good at something, but yet they don't put themselves out there because of the fear of of the world, basically, of the opinions, of the judgment, yet you like we know that their stuff's good, and yet you see other people who aren't as good, and yet they put their stuff out there. Like, what would you... What would you tell to give them that nudge? Like, just do it. Just go for it. Um, there are a couple of things. So the first thing is, um, well, there, there are three things. There are three ways that you could approach it. Number one is um, at the end of your life, do you want to look back and say, I had the life that I almost wanted? Ooh, Ooh I like that. Right? Don't want that. <laughs> right. It's, it, yeah, exactly. It's like, would I rather take some risk mm -hmm. and you can take small baby steps, right? You don't have to just go jump out of the plane, right? Come on, small, yeah, yeah. Well, it's apparently not for everyone, right? Cause that's why people hold themselves back. Yeah, so yeah. that's the first thing to think about is like, you know, at the end of your life, do you want to end up saying like, I had the life I almost wanted. So that one's kind of deep and heavy, but if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what does. Um, the second thing is think about the risk reward. I actually recommend writing it down on a on paper because what happens is when you take it out of your brain and you put it on paper, it, you become like less spazzed out about it. Yeah. Right? Because in your brain the thing seems like, you know, a thousand pound gorilla. When you see it on the paper and you're like, okay, give, you know, a presentation about this cool thing I built. Um, the pros are People like it. They're awesome. I learned something new. The con is, um, you know, people laugh at me, but P.S. five minutes later, they've forgotten about it, you know? So it's it's kind of like, do you want to stay where you are or do you want to get where you want to go? So I always recommend that do very small things. Like one of the things that I um, share with people who are in my boot camp is to think about the really big picture of the thing that you're trying to accomplish and then break it down into really small pieces. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to, um, you know, build an airplane, maybe you just think about building a little small part and then another part and then another part, because then it becomes more manageable, digestible. If you're nervous about it, your nerves can handle it more. But if you think about just trying to construct an airplane all at once, and then you actually try to do it, you're just gonna get overwhelmed, you will get scared, and you just won't do it. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. It, same thing, especially with programming, because I do a lot of programming stuff, you'll think of some big idea, and it's just so big that you don't even know where to start because it's so big. But if you say, hey, I'm just going to do this like main part of it, the, the menu, or do this, the DUI, or do this character when it comes to game stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Then you slowly like build it, and then eventually the pieces come together, and it becomes manageable. It's like Monday I'll work on this, Tuesday I'll work on this. Instead of saying I'm gonna make the biggest game there was or big biggest book, no. Like the my the best example is I so I wrote a book and I'm working on another one. And the best way to do the book is say I'm gonna write a thousand pages today, thousand pages tomorrow, and by the end of like three months I should have around nine hundred to I mean ninety to a thousand words, a hundred thousand words. Mm-hmm. And then you can literally do that. Like a thousand words might take you maybe two hours and then not do anything for the rest of the day. Like nothing productive, I would say. And then by the end of those three months, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I have a book and I feel like I didn't do anything. It's like, yeah, that's the power of like compounding. So if you do that for like one hour, imagine if you add a little bit like two or three more things during the day and have it slowly build throughout the year. By the end of the year, you'll be so well off just by just being disciplined and saying, I'm going to do this for an hour and I'm done. I'll go play and do whatever, hang out, watch my mindless TV. But then in those three months, you'll be like, wow, here is my thing. Didn't even take me that much effort. Didn't even get nervous about it. Didn't stress out about it. It's it's amazing what you can do if you just break things down. And and you don't really get told that. Like Even in school, I don't remember getting told like, oh, do the project, small bits, which you think you would. But it was just like, okay, let's do this day. Get started early. That's all they would say. But it was like, I learned too in school. It's like, well, if I do it today and a little bit tomorrow, by the time the due date comes, I'm done. It's just something so simple yet so lost in the, the information we have. I, I don't know what your thoughts about that, but like, why do we? Why does it seem like the things that are profound and important are not like common, and the things that are not not that profound, but like less impactful are the more like mainstream? Mm-hmm. Um, explain a little bit more what you mean by that. So, like, for instance, I, I would say kind of the, at least in my experience, the way your mindset and I guess and other great people, it's not common to the people I was surrounded by. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, it's, and even if I go on Twitter, it seems like the mentality is just kind of like get by, right? And that's, that's normal, which is fine. That's, that's just a normal way. But like, then there's like the get after it, do this, positivity, wellness, yoga. It's more of like the, the odd ones why why do you think that is like that um there are a couple things so i think the first thing is that a lot of people get stuck because they feel like because you know they didn't grow up in the right neighborhood they don't have connections they don't have a lot of money that they are limited to one type of life Mm. but the way that I have always thought, and I think, you know, that has always made me the outlier, you know, in my family, certainly with like, I don't know, pretty much everybody I know, is that I've always believed that, you know, to get all Yoda on you, it's like, there is no box, right? Ooh. I can create whatever I want. The greatest gift is to be human because we create everything. I mean, the house that you live in, I mean, before some genius person thought about how to mix concrete you're living in huts like men were living in huts Mm -hmm. so the point is that a lot of people don't realize that they can create anything they want they can be anything they want um and if they do realize that then um i think a lot of people just don't want to do the work yeah Yeah, it's not easy to change your situation. It's not easy to stay strong inside of tough situations. It's not easy to be positive when everything is crumbling around you. And it's not easy to sacrifice, right? So you you have to, um, you know, there are only so many hours in the day. 
And you have to decide how will you spend your next second minute hour and is it in service to where you want to go with your life? You know, here's something that's like really simple, right? So I was listening to, I was watching a video of Jeff Bezos the other day. He was giving an interview and he was talking about the importance of time, how important it is to guard your time and be very picky with how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. Now, Jeff Bezos does not have any more time in the day than any of us. He has the same 24 hours, yet still he was successful and he built his business. Not because he's a super smart genius or anything, but he has decided how he wanted to work at his company and he's incredibly patient and disciplined. Like when you see old pictures of Jeff Bezos sitting in a little tiny place with like a crummy desk, you know, surrounded by books, he was willing to, um, you know, start at ground zero and to do things that, you know, whatever he had to do to make it work and sacrifice so he could build the company that exists today and take care of his time. It's the same for all of us. Any of us can do that, but nobody teaches us that anything is possible, right? It's like there's a typical route for life and it's only the weird ones that basically say, you know, I don't want this anymore. And then, you know, every the minute you defer from the norm, you get made fun of, like you, you face a lot of um, uphill battle because you're no longer the norm. But it's like the minute you get successful, everyone wants to know you and hang out with you. It's just kind of like celebrities, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's like celebrities or, um, uh, you know, athletes, I mean, if you, if, if someone, a, a young kid like walked up and said, hey, I'm gonna be the next LeBron James, like he'd probably get laughed at. They're like, you're never going to be LeBron James. And so this is what happens when people openly say that they want to strive for the impossible or actually not the impossible, but they want to strive really high when they're in a place of, you know, not so high or really low. But when that person makes it there, suddenly they're like a god. So it's kind of weird to me how like society really celebrates people that stand out, right? I mean, it's like, you know, all of the hip hop artists, like these people, they have like hundreds of millions of followers. Like they, some of them didn't even like complete college. And I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm just saying like, this is how opposite they are to what we're told yeah. every day. So I think that that is, you know, for people who are striving to be really high, you know, high points in their life, whether they want to play sports, they want to be the best gamer, whatever it is, you have to be different and you have to do something that's against the grain, but you also have to know you're going to get made fun of. It's, it just kind of comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. Got to build a thick skin to be very stoic. You got to be the Teflon Don, you mm -hmm. know, it's just got to... And also, have you ever read the book with by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacles the Way? I have not. Oh, you need to read the book because essentially he talks about how any obstacle you face, it isn't you try to go around it or go behind you. It's literally the thing you have to like overcome and it just, that is the way. So instead of deciding like, oh, I'm going to give up, go figure out how to get over this, overcome this obstacle might be your thing. Like maybe 
for instance, you, your obstacles, you don't have enough money f- to go to L.A. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, oh, I can't do it, be like, you know what? No, I, I don't have enough money. I'm going to find the way to find this money, and then I'm going to go to L.A. I'm going to make this happen regardless. Like, for instance, I moved to L.A., and it, it, at first it seemed like crazy. That people were like, well, why are you going out there? We didn't do this and that. And honestly, taking that leap of faith, everything worked out better than I could have ever imagined. Now, honestly, it could have gone the other way, but I feel like if you take those leap of faiths, Mm-hmm. The world will reward you for being courageous sometimes. Like, not always, but I feel like every time I've taken a risk, most of the time, it's rewarded me with some type of reward. Not always noticed, too. Sometimes I thought it was horrible at the moment, and then later on, I realized, like, no, this was actually the best thing for me. Like, you ever had a moment in your life where, like, something was so bad, and then and you were like, no, I needed that to happen for me to be who I am today. Oh, yeah. How many examples do you want? <laughs> or- I want one that um that let's see that it kind of like reshaped your mindset or kind of one that's like not small but like one that like really was like oh this is why I am who I am or something like that. Yeah. So immediately, what comes to mind my mind is um so I got married and divorced before thirty. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow is right. And, um, it was a really interesting experience. Number one, it's like crazy to be divorced under 30. It's like, what? It's, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. I mean, when you think about it, me, meaning me, it's actually not a big thing, but compared to society and the ages of people who get divorced, it was a thing. And I kind of made it a thing. But for me, that moment really shaped my life because, you know, I went into that relationship thinking that it was going to be, you know, forever. Like, I really loved this person. Um, you know, I thought he was my soulmate. But then once I got in there, you know, things just started to change and, and they were different. And um, I realized that I wasn't actually fulfilling my own dreams and my own destiny. And, um, uh, you know, it was just better for me to kind of exit that. And it was super, super hard because number one, I was really scared because the life I thought I was going to have, I, I left it, right? So now I was like out there kind of by myself wondering how am I gonna, you know, get my act together? Um, and then also I realized that it was a chance to discover me as a person and I never really had that especially since I had a really tough you know upbringing not a lot of positive role models um and then also I I kind of wanted to test my own limits like I felt like I had an inner Ferrari inside of me and I just wanted to like let it loose on the on the world which is kind of like the racetrack and I wanted to see what I was actually capable of if I wasn't surrounded by people who kind of told me what to think or what I should do or what was possible for me or what I couldn't do because I wasn't this. I was just kind of sick of it all. And I think that that really was like, you know, a a cosmic explosion in my life because number one, I actually had to do stuff like, you know, what I said I was going to do. I was like, oh, man, I really have to do it now. Like I asked for this chance um, to really see what I could build out of my life. So now I have to go do it. And it was really terrifying. Um, You know, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, um, but I was fortunate enough to have a lot of people 
that helped me and guided me. So I, you know, when people say that they're like a self-made man or a self-made woman, I call BS on that because the truth is that um, you always get some piece of advice. Somebody makes a phone call, somebody sends an email and you get connected. It's up to you what you do with that connection, but no one can do this life alone. So, you know, that moment for me was my defining moment. And I just, you know, I, I promised myself that I was just going to mash the gas and, and see what happened because I was ready for it. I was ready for it. And I was terrified. Um, but I just didn't care because, you know, again, for me, I thought, do I want to be get to the end of my life or do I want to add another 20, 30 years to staying in the same place that I was in and think about, do I have the life that I almost wanted? And, and that was scarier for me than, than doing that other thing. Mm -hmm. No, it's scary to think that like your life could turn out to be the exact opposite. It could be turned to basically hell and you want it to go towards like a, a heaven, a place where like everything goes right. Now, is there a point when you kind of felt like giving up or like the world seemed kind of dark in your oh. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God. Um, I would say it was, it was pretty much like when I started to try to find my way out of that, you know, it's, it's like the midway between like exiting the relationship and then kind of finding yourself. But I struggled really, really hard. I mean, I, you know, I, I went to a lot of therapy, which was really helpful. Um, you know, at the time I was working for a, a, a big financial firm in New York city and um, no kidding, like sometimes I would leave work and I would just go to church. There's like a church on Fifth Avenue and I would just go sit in a pew and I would cry because I literally I had no idea what. So I had no idea what to do. I didn't I, I couldn't unravel the sadness that I was feeling, but I knew that the only way I was going to get through it was to well was to go through it. And I set myself up, um, you know, with a, with a support system. So like I said, you know, I went to therapy. I think therapy is great and I think everyone should do it um, because it's important to have someone that can help you process um, things in a way that you can't yourself, especially when you feel overwhelmed. Um, and I made a good set of, you know, a good tight handful of friends in New York City um, and we're still friends to this day. Some of my oldest, uh, you know, oldest relationships. And that's really how I got through it. But it's, there are days when I was just like, I just wanted to quit. I'm like, this really sucks. And I questioned what I did. I was like, why did I do this? This is like really stupid. It's like in my, in my prior life, I didn't have to worry about anything, like literally nothing. And it's like, why did I do this to myself? It felt really horrible, um, but I, I kept reminding myself that I I believed in my heart that there was more to what I was experiencing, and so I was willing to you know go through go through the pain. So I, I think for anybody who's in any situation where they feel like they want to give up, is number one, um, find a therapist. Number two build yourself a support system. And you know what, if your family sucks, kind of like my did, um, 
find a good group of friends. You can even find um, support systems in community groups. I've done that too, right? Sought out uh, community groups um, of people who have been through the same situation like me and just go talk and go meet people that can support you. I think a lot of times people think that, um, you know, you're, and, and this is not, not to, to bash anyone's family. I'm just saying about my situation and, and what I can see is that there are a lot of people who are in family situations that are like, well, you know, I was taught that family first and blood is thicker than water and all of this stuff. But guess what? If it makes you miserable, if it makes you unhappy, if they're unkind, if they don't care about the way you feel, um, it doesn't really matter because you need to have your own beautiful experience in this life and it doesn't matter who you're related to. You don't get to choose that. You get to choose you and the way you want to feel. And if it means not choosing them, then feel free to do that because you can trust me that you will find people who will be better than them for you. And yeah. that's scary with me. Sometimes friends can be more family than the family you have. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Insane. Absolutely. But, so the greatest thing we were talking about is the idea that you can let go of the things you're told to always stick to, like family, mm -hmm. to the responsibilities. Like sometimes you just have to say, it's okay. I can move on and go somewhere better. And maybe I can come back later on when I'm better and maybe we can build a better relationship when you're more mature. Cause I've, I've had conversations with people. I don't know how you feel about like coming back to people, even though they've been bad and trying to understand their point of view and being mature about it and being like, I know we didn't come off good, but I'm willing to restart this relationship. Like you ever had, have you ever felt like that with your family too? Were you able to restart something or is it just, just wasn't able to? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy to talk about like, you know, with my mom, for example, like I haven't spoke, like, you know, I, I would say officially, haven't, uh, you know, decided to not have a relationship with her six yeah. years ago. Next year will be seven years. Um, I have in this time, though, thought about would it be possible to mend it? Is there a way that I could get her to see my point of view? And I have tried. And the truth is, it doesn't work, right? Because and I'm not saying that that's the case for yeah. for other people. But here is the thing that a lot of people don't think about when they're in that situation. Number one, you might be willing and be in a place mentally to accept your part in the dysfunction or the breakdown of that relationship. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that other person is at the same spot and they may never get there, right? So they can spend their entire life denying your feelings, telling you you shouldn't feel that way or just not able to accept their part in it. And I would recommend that, yes, try to mend it because it's nice to have family. I mean, I certainly think about wouldn't it be nice if I could have a family, but it's it's unhealthy for me, like it's actually not healthy for me. And so if someone is in that situation where you've legitimately tried more than once, right? You have to try more than once. Um, and that you can't make it work, then choose yourself first every time. Choose yourself first because you will find people that will love you and that will care for you. And I'm telling you, it's happened for me out of like the most random places when I thought that it was not possible for me to have fulfilling relationships. 
I have found them in people that I would just have never found had I not decided that I was going to choose myself first and that I was going to be patient and wait to find people that could meet me and be my friend slash family member or even just close friend the way I needed it. Um, but it's great. But, you know, like everything, you just kind of got to go through it and, and have some patience once you make the decision of, you know, what you choose to do. I'm curious, the people you've met, are they like people you least expected to be the people you've met, like the closest? And the people, totally. yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that, it's so weird. It happened earlier this year where I like reconnected with a friend. And then now we're, like, really, really close. And it's like, why weren't we like this before? Like, why are you now, like, the best, like, f like basically family now? But, yeah. what? but that's just, it's just life. And also, I've, I've traveled around to different parts of the world, like Morocco, Egypt. And every person I've met around the world felt like a best friend that I've just, like, rediscovered. Yeah. And then I also learned in that time, I don't know if you feel about this, but there is never enough time like whether you have one hour with somebody one week or even 99 years mm -hmm. at the end of that year or day or minute you're still going to be like i wish we had more time and i don't know if that's just not accepting the um that just like time is finite or, or just not accepting the situation but like do you think it's okay to feel like you're going to lose something or should you learn to always accept that things are going to be like just going to walk away eventually like Learn to let go. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. So number one, if you find someone and you have someone in your life where when you spend time with them, you feel like time is never enough, that's a blessing in itself. Because, you know, you just, I, I, I think that's very rare and that's definitely like a really beautiful thing. Um, but I will say that when it comes to, you know, do I have enough time? I mean... Life is changing constantly. I, and I think that because I've learned to accept that nothing, like you said, nothing is fi uh, finite, right? Uh, yeah, infinite, I guess. Infinite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I appreciate that. I got confused for a second. I'm like, wait, what am I trying to say? Um, I think I said it wrong too. So, but yeah. nothing's infinite. It'll last forever. This is, that's easier. <laughs> that's where we're headed, right? Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. Um, that you just, you just kind of take what you have and you treasure what you have. And, you know, I feel a little hypocritical saying this because I have issues with, you know, when there's something that I like and then it, it goes away, like it super sucks. But what I've realized is that that's actually the pattern of life is that everything is a cycle. And so even if you've had something for like 30 or 40 or 50 years, like it eventually goes away because that's how the planet like keeps itself alive right things just keep regenerating um including humans in like a weird dystopian kind of view <laughs> yeah right we're always coming back around yeah yeah and i also like, know it's this weird thing but i've noticed it some people like look the same if you see pictures and you're like they look like that person like 20 years it's like are people just like is the dna just like recycling <laughs> itself i don't know i've just had this thought one day i was like why do these people look the same? <laughs> yeah. They're not related at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if I have the answer to that question. Well, but I, no yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, people who are the, the same, like, race or ethnicity, like, they can look strikingly similar to each other. I mean, I don't have an answer other than that. Sorry, Kevin. 
Oh, no, it's, that's a deeper. That's probably more like I don't even know who can answer that one. We have to go beyond the universe, yeah. <laughs> beyond space and time. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so what were we on? We were on basically the idea that time isn't doesn't last forever, and mm-hmm. so you accepting that right is that something that's that's easy for someone like do you think there's a way we can practice that is there like because i've learned that from horrible relationships like breakups mm-hmm. and being like okay now i finally learned that like this is who i am i'm okay with people going but like is there a way we can do that without getting heartbroken or is that just the natural order of life <laughs> gosh yeah that's a good question i mean for me it's always been like you know pain leads to something new And that's how I now process pain is like, okay, if I'm in pain right now, it means that something new is about to happen. Um, That's really the only way that I, I I can look at it. It's like, yeah, it's like, if I'm going through, I'm hurting, I'm like, all right, this is gonna suck for a while. Um, But then something new is gonna come out of it. So I talked to my I talked to myself a lot. And I also highly encourage people to do it. Um, it really helps your sanity. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny you say this helps your sanity and people be like, you're insane. I know, I know. No, but it really does. It really does. It does. It does. It's just like, you know, and actually I think talking to yourself in the mirror is a big deal. Um, because if you can look at yourself and say stuff, it, it's pretty powerful. And you just kind of say, look, it hurts. It sucks. And you can say whatever else you want to say. And, and then you just say, you know, something new is gonna happen something amazing is gonna happen I'm gonna forget about this or even if you don't forget about it it's just something new is gonna come into your life because if you think of um you know to use another video game reference if you think of like (laughs) it's like I'm gonna keep referencing referencing Tetris or not well I have a Tetris reference so you know like you know when you drop a block and it all lines up and then it Mm -hmm. totally clears out all the points yeah. yeah That's how I would think about it when you have loss in your life, right? So you you kind of clear out the space, and I I think the pain that we feel is is emptiness, right? You don't want to feel this kind of emptiness or the sadness or this loneliness, but it's just like in Tetris, if you don't clear out space, you won't get new blocks, and it'll just or you know or it'll just pile up and you'll game over. But for humans, it's like you won't get a new experience. And if you're really honest about it, it's like, honestly, do you want to be like 20 and experience the same things when you were 10 or 30 and experience the same things when you were 20 or 50 and experience the same thing? It's like, no, you actually don't. So this whole new level of clearing out or sadness or pain, it's like a signal for like, you know, something new is coming. Mm-hmm. And also going back to the whole feeling this pain, um, Alan Watts has a great thing where he talks about to feel something that's cold, you have to have something that's hot. To understand light, you have to understand darkness and the soft. You have to, like, to be able to experience what's great in life, we also have to go through those bad times. You just It's the way life is. Yeah. And kind of accepting that, isn't that like a, Buddhist type of thing where it's like you accept that life is suffering and once you can accept that you can kind of move forward with like a like an optimistic type of view it's just it's like this weird type of like building yourself these mental like um I don't know how we put it maybe like uh safe checkpoints or like 
protection, more like armor, where you're like, oh, like this this sucks, but I already knew it was gonna suck. I already I already prepared myself for that. Now let's get after, let's let's beat through it, because I don't want to let this beat me down. But those are, I feel like these things you have to build over time. Like you have to build yourself up, level yourself up to be able to take on this world that is out there, because it's not an easy place and it's not always gonna be fair. And it's it's so I want to. How do you deal with sometimes? I guess un, you know, in fairness, um, you know, people combating you being like you shouldn't be where you are or you why are you the way this or stuff like that like how do you deal with those people who are trying to fight that you're in this position yeah i just ignore them just ignore <laughs> it. Beautiful. No, it's, it's that's all you need <laughs> no i mean because the thing is that i think there's always going to be someone that's going to i mean we're, we're talking about two things number one i think there's always someone that's going to tell you that you're not smart enough you don't you're not good looking enough you're not tall enough you know you're always going to be deficient compared to someone else because remember when someone is telling you that they have a picture in their mind of what this ideal state is and so if you don't match that ideal state well you're deficient so the issue is not with you it's actually with them mm. right that's because, true yeah yeah because they're the ones that are complaining that you shouldn't be there it's like well why are you complaining in the first place like you know, it's like I got here and or I'm doing this and you're not. Well, maybe you should find out why you're not instead of, you know, giving me a hard time. So that stuff used to really affect me, but I just don't care anymore. I'm like, great. What else you got? You know, or or I just go, I my calendar is booked. I got to go like I just it doesn't even phase me anymore. But I had to fight to get through that because I would really take it personally. And I think the key is to. Whenever someone has something negative to say to you about you, understand that number one, it's you don't have an issue. It's like that person's perception of you that they're fighting, right? So you're not defective. You don't have an issue. That person, the way they portray you, is not living up to their standards. So they have a, a check balance problem in their mind. And once I started to realize that I don't need to internalize everything someone says to me about me that they don't like, then it was like a weight lifted off of my shoulder. Cause I'm like, wait, I'm just here being myself, you know, in the world, what I'm allowed to be. This person doesn't like me. And for why? Because I'm being myself. No, like it's, it's not me. It's them. So they need to go work it out. And I'm just going to go on with my life. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Yeah. I want to get into your whole, like, the responsibilities and initiatives that led to the being featured in the White House. What what was all that? Like, I want to hear the story behind that. Um, the White House stuff, or how did I get there? We could do both. Let's start with how you got there. Um, so, really, it's, it's, it's kind of like asking a CEO how he became CEO. I mean... I really honed my craft. Um, so for me, my strength is really, you know, running like incredibly tough initiatives, like MacGyver type initiatives, right? Where people think that, hey, this is never going to get done. So it's either you're trying to get done something done in a really short amount of time, or you're trying to do something that no one's done before. Those are my favorite. I love doing stuff that no one's done before. Um, you know, or it has a, you know, there's a lot of money tied to it or, you know, the brand identity or you have a really, um, you know, large client. So a lot of money involved there again, but, you know, the kind of different 
And so really, I, I think that how I ended up leading that initiative is because throughout my career, I had just proven myself in every inch that I moved it, right? So you don't just graduate school and then one day, you know, someone says, hey, will you lead an initiative? Actually, when I interviewed for that role, I had no idea that was actually going to happen. Um, but, um, you know, you just don't go from that to to that, right? It's like when you when you're doing something at that level, there's a lot at stake, right? There's a lot, um, you know, working with a lot of companies, a lot of other very high level executives and certainly you know there's the whole like you know um you know political thing so it, it becomes a very it's like it's like doing a waltz right and so it's like you don't get to you know dance competitively unless you've practiced a lot throughout your life and i i know it sounds like a very um boring explanation but the truth is that once i found out what i was really good at I just practiced and I just focused on that and I chose every single, I looked for every single opportunity in my career where I could do something like that. And none of the things that I ever did were in my actual job description. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck in this. It's not my job. It's not my problem. It's not my job. It's not my problem. Well, the secret is like, if you actually do something that's not in your job description, you are going to stand out. Simple like that. Just do above and beyond. Just go out there and say, hey, it's not my job, but like it needs to get done. And I'm going to take the initiative, the leadership to go do it. Yeah, but do yeah. it really well. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't don't half ass it because <laughs> then it doesn't work. <laughs> True. Right. Um, you know, there are a lot of intricacies around that, but but. And, and, you know, for anybody else that's listening, it could be, you know, whatever it is. It could be you work in finance and you figure out a way to do a specific process or procedure more streamlined or you have a new way of invoicing or whatever it is. Like you will know the moment when and your body and your mind will tell you when you've come up on something that you know that you can make better. And it's really up to you to take the risk oh boy and put yourself out there oh boy oh no <laughs> <laughs> and and go after it and so that's i just looked for that my entire career and and i i didn't look for it in an artificial way um the key is that it really excited me and i loved it i loved being able to create um new things, things from nothing. I was always kind of like a little entrepreneur in all of my roles and in all of my, you know, the companies that I worked for. And the leadership really liked that about me and, and respected that. And so every time I would deliver on something, even if it was something small, uh, they would give me more opportunities. And so I, and I just kept going, but I think I was able to do it because it came naturally, and and that's the key, right? Don't go look for something that's like, oh, I'm gonna do this. Like you'll burn out, you will crash so hard because it's not coming from a natural place. It it's coming from a, you know, made up place which you can't sustain. Yeah, yeah. something's not really can't can't sustain. Can't sustain.
Yeah. You got to not live in delusion. You have to take reality, face value, and say, this yeah. is what is happening. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going to yeah. move forward. That's it. Mm-hmm. So then now the White House part. How, so how did that happen? Um, it's just, uh, you know, um, through my reputation of the work that I did and also, um, you know, because of the, the things that I focused on when I was at MIT, which is business applications of artificial intelligence and blockchain, um, they needed someone who could sort of humanize, um, you know, take a very human problem and think about how do you use sophisticated technology in that way. And that's really what I'm all about. Like, I think technology is awesome. Um, There's a lot of far out stuff that's out there. But unless you can apply it in a way to help humanity, to help people, I don't think it's worth very much. Mm -hmm. It's just not. I mean, you, you you can spend billions on tech we see it every day it's like you know all of these you know tech companies doing doing cool cool and really interesting stuff um you know they're trying ultimately what they're trying to do is figure out how they can help humanity but there's a lot of stuff out there that doesn't do it so it was really and again it sounds so simple it was just based on my reputation right this is not a role that was ever like you know published publicly it was just you know the the initiative um happened or was happening and um they needed someone to the ceo needed someone who he could trust who he knew um had experience who he believed could execute and handle the tactical part as well as the um you know relationship and sort of political part of working together with multiple firms um and institutions and that's really it. But I mean, it, it sounds like a simple example, but I have been working like this my entire career, right? It, it's and I, and I have a proven track record of doing things like this. And so that's how it happened. Um, never planned for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You planned for it slowly throughout your whole life. I guess I have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like it's like, you know, being in a, it's like training to go to the Olympics. Right. It's like you don't wake up one day and, you know, jump on a plane and suddenly you're like an Olympic athlete. It's like, no, it it takes years of fine tuning, you know, mistaking, um, you know, learning, uh, doing consistently, even when it sucks. And um, yeah, so it was a really, really, really cool opportunity. Met a lot of amazing people, very brilliant people. And and learned a ton, so it was it was it was awesome for me. No, I'm happy for you. Thank you. And before we wrap it up, I want to ask a little bit about the whole coaching type. Of, how did that develop, and how did you develop the personality you have on LinkedIn? <laughs> That's interesting. What personality do I have on LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> it's more of that, like you know, get after it, and explaining all about like you know, it's okay to panic. It's just like this like bubbly personality of like you know, you got this. <laughs> Like a guru, um, essentially, I would say. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I Well, that's a compliment. I appreciate it. Um, so for the last few years, and, and again, this goes to our conversation about like every level you get to, you discover a whole nother level. So 
the last few years, there are some things that have happened in my life that have caused me to like really think about what's important in life and and weirdly, what do I what what do I want to contribute to the world? And I would say that you know working on this last initiative was very much in line with it because it was thinking about how you could help nurses improve their lives through education and technology, which you know nurses are the heroes of, of this year for sure. Next to parents, parents second, nurses first, because um, parents who have kids and they're like, you know, doing the whole whole. Like I, I have friends that are doing that. I'm like I have no idea how you guys are doing this right now. Um, anyway, so I have a reputation with my friends of you know when the you know what hits the fan, call savvy. It's like everyone has a bat phone with my number, so it's like I know when I look at my phone. And I see certain numbers calling. I'm like, all right, I know what kind of conversation this is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and people are freaked out about COVID. They're like, you know, COVID, my company's closing. I think we're getting, you know, this is being sold. Like, you know, just all kinds of conversations. And I said, wow, this is really interesting because COVID, the disease sucks. But there are so many opportunities that this year presents. Like to me, 2020 is the year of the caterpillar, right? 2021 is the year of the butterfly or whenever COVID's over. So, you know, prior to this, I spent a lot of my time like just on the road, like traveling to clients, being on a plane, going to an office, a lot of time just not, just commuting. And so I felt it was a real gift to not have to commute um the second thing is that i've been thinking about a way that i could increase the quality of my life but also i realized that i want to help people who want to become high performers i want to help people who want to be at the top of their game who want to be the olympic athletes of their career of their company and so i actually started designing my boot camp earlier this year because I decided that I was going to transition and focus solely on this. So my purpose and gift to the world is really, um, you know, all of the pain that I went through, all of the stuff that I learned and came out on the other side is really what I, what I want to share with people. So the boot camp is four weeks. It's really intense. Um, you know, folks meet with me every week. There's homework, there's exercises. Um, it's a really action packed. Um, and it's all about changing your life. It's all about um, combining the mental, um, you know, things that you tell yourself um, the, and you kind of get that out of there and replace it with the mental things that are really the truth of how awesome every single one of us are, um, you know, once we find our strengths and then coming up with a game plan for how they're going to get after it. And it's, it's all inside of us, but it does take work, right? It's not like winning the lottery. Um, you have to do it consistently but you know you'll definitely get the benefits and I and I loved it and I love my clients um my favorite thing is when I'm in a session with them and they have a breakthrough and I can see it in their eyes and when I share with them um you know I was just on a you know the call with a client today and they were saying you know this particular thing is happening 
at work and you know there's some things that I I don't know if I should change because it's not really like in my department and I share stories of how I was in those same situations I share the good the bad and the ugly I help them see that you know you can be the change that you want to be and then we come up with a plan for it so um it's just really awesome and it's it is by far the most fulfilling thing that I have ever done in my life. Nothing beats helping, helping people. people. It, yeah. it, it just, it's just seeing them smile or being like, you've helped me become something better. It, I, even I live for that. Like just generally when I help people with small things and they say, KB, you've really changed my life. I'm like, I didn't really do much, but I still feel like, wow, like I really impacted them. It's, that's awesome. And I think anybody should join your coach boot camp and, and get the benefit and meet you and get that just your awesome personality and get after it. And because like you doing a homework meeting every week, like that's that's how they're going to get to where they're going to go. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Keep it up. Awesome job. Thank you. And I mean, you're helping people out by doing this podcast and bringing stories to to people of, of other people who have gone through things and have advice and, and want to help make the world a better place. So it's awesome that you started this podcast and, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. Of course. Anytime. Anytime. But before we wrap it up, one last thing. If you could have, a, uh, if there was a billboard in space, just like floating to the whole world can see it. Mm-hmm. What would your one like little motto, little sentence be? Um, Focus on one thing so you can become ninja good. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Ninja good. I love it. (laughs) But yeah, so thank you for coming on the podcast, Abby. This was amazing. I just loved the conversation we had. And and yeah, just keep killing it. And thank you so much. And actually, I'm going to hand the mic to you if you want to do any last minute shout outs, any inspirational quotes, anything. And thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks, Kevin. Um, I don't have anything to add. I think that the conversation was amazing. Um, uh, Well, I think the one thing that I will add is that for anyone listening to uh, this episode, if you want to change your life, if you want to change your career, if you want to be the Olympic athlete of your company, if you don't want to be stuck in your same role, please come check me out on LinkedIn. Uh, at Savvy Barrows, or that's also my website. Um, and, you know, let's, you know, drop me a DM and and let's chat and check out the hilarious videos that I make. Please see us again next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. What?